for joining the journey is real i'm cj peterson where we talk to real people with real passions who share a real portion of their heart with us today my guest is tom oswald here we're going to be talking about his passion which is in essence a journey um his book is regarding two feet which is the weight that he lost was literally two feet of his body size but it's the journey that he really wants to hit it on uh, the book um what he titled the podcast because i gave him the option was breaking free from what's breaking you tom i want to thank you for coming in because i know you have a really busy schedule you have a business of your own so i wanted to really you know say thank you very much for coming on in and i appreciate it uh, you wrote the book two feet and you said it's a spiritual victory about overeating addiction can you share a little bit about that with us yeah so when i wrote the book i really didn't want to write a book at all um and for years after i lost I, I lost 160 pounds in 14 months. And the longest sort of it was the Lord told me at some point I need to write a book. Because my point to that was always going to be there's no need for a book. It's just quit eating junk and exercise and you lose weight. But what I began to realize was it wasn't just the food itself because anyone can, I mean, there are all kinds of diet books out there about how to lose weight. And the, and the bottom line is it really is just stop eating junk and, and exercise and you'll lose the weight. But the issue most people have is, I'm addicted to, for me, it was carbohydrates, or I'm addicted to something else. I'm addicted to overspending, or I'm addicted to whatever else, and I can't seem to get out of that, and it's hurting me. Mm -hmm. So the reason I wrote the book was to, to point people to God, which is ultimately how I got out of the eating addiction that I had. Right, so it was more about whatever the addiction is, that there is an answer out there specifically, and that you found it in God. Absolutely. And I think, yes, it applies to anything. Some people struggle financially and are in debt because they don't know how to stop using a credit card. Some people struggle in their marriage because they don't know how to relate to their husband or their wife. All those kinds of things. And I do believe God is still the answer to all those. Awesome. Uh, can you share a little bit about what your journey was like? Sure. So um, when I, growing up, I always had an issue with food. My family, we, we were big eaters and it was part of what we did and it was part of the culture of our family. And it was something in some ways we were kind of proud of, which is not really a great thing to be proud of, but it's what we did. So I never met a buffet that I didn't like. And we always took this personal challenge. It wasn't how much you should eat, how much you want to eat, how much you need to eat. It was all you can eat. So, you know, we kind of took that to heart and, and we would go into a buffet and just eat absolutely till you couldn't walk and walk out of the restaurant. So I learned at an early age that for me, and this is the part of the book that really got real for me was, I learned at an early age the um, emotional part of why to eat. So eat if you're happy, eat if you're sad, eat if you're bored, eat because it's time to eat. All those things I started doing. And so food kind of became my emotional crutch when I went through anything hard I wanted to eat. And so it, instead of it being um, food, just, just is just fuel for your body to you is basically fuel for your soul. Absolutely. That's, that's a really good way to put it. And I wish I'd had that line before I wrote the book cause it'd be in there. Uh, <laughs> uh -huh. But, and that's, that's absolutely true. And I think it's that way for any addiction that you're in. It's mm -hmm. not just it, it, because we all need certain things. We need to spend money. You need to do all those things to live. It's when you get in trouble. It was the same thing for me. So as I got into a hard place in my life, I would turn to food for comfort. So um, if I had a bad day at school, if I 
something well I didn't have a girlfriend growing up I really that was not something I dealt with but if, if there were an emotional thing going on with our family or when I got to college if I went on a date and it went bad or whatever food was where I turned mm-hmm. so um, and, and when you're 18 years old and you're doing heavy uh, physical activity every day it doesn't show up as much as it does when you're 25 or 26 27 years old and that physical activity starts to slow down of course because you're running it all off Right, exactly. And your metabolism is, is that much better or low or faster or whatever the right word is when you're 20 years old than it is when you're 40. So if so, you don't change the way that you're eating as you know your body's slowing down, then you're going to find yourself in trouble. Absolutely. Well, and it really becomes what you said. If you're eating because your body needs fuel, so you're eating fuel for your body, that's one thing. That's like putting gas in your car mm-hmm. because the gas tank is empty and I need to put gas in it so I can drive the car. What I was doing is basically kind of like putting a whole bunch of gas in the bed of my truck just because I needed it. And all I did was weigh down the truck and it wasn't something that I could use for fuel. So, um, of course, over time, you know, the weight started to pack on. So, so at what point did you realize that you were in serious trouble? It's a good question. Probably several years after I was in serious trouble because I always felt like my, my weight issue was not really that big a deal. So I'm 260 pounds and I should be 200 pounds. Well, it's only pounds. It's really not that big a deal. You know, I'm just going through something. I need to just exercise a little more and everything will be okay. And so then if I had, a, I've, I've been married, I'm, I'm on my second marriage. So my first marriage obviously ended in divorce. And when I had struggles with my ex-wife, then instead of doing something to resolve those, I ate. And so I guess it's probably probably around the time I was, I don't know, 32, something like that, 31, 32 is when I began to realize, look, this is a real problem. Like I can't, what was your weight and what was your height at that point? So at that point, it was probably the top. I mean, was it 350 pounds? And I had a, I was 67 inches tall and I had a 58 inch waist. Wow. So I was kind of a bowling ball. Wow. Um, yeah. And, and that, at that point, I realized something is really, really wrong. And I, because I, the thing for me that I did through the whole process was I would kind of lie to myself about how well I ate or how well I didn't eat. So when you're 270 pounds, you know, something is off, Mm -hmm. right? But if you don't, but you don't know how much. So I would go through a day and think, you know, I had a pretty good day today and I would eat something, ice cream or something like that in the evening when the reality was was a good day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, well, and think about it. So for me, a typical day was this at my heaviest. Um, I would go to um, a fast food restaurant called Sonic mm-hmm. in Fort Worth, and they made these, um, basically it was a burrito with Fritos, with chili and onions and cheese, all that stuff in it. I'd get two of those, an order of fried mozzarella sticks and a Coke for breakfast. Oh, wow. Yeah. So then I would go. Wait, to, you started today? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, uh, yeah. And so then I would go and I would drink two or three Cokes at, through, the, through the morning where I worked. And I'd go to lunch and think, okay, well, you know, I've, I've had two or three Cokes, three or four Cokes in the, in the morning, and I probably need to not drink Cokes. I'll switch to tea at lunch. But tea at lunch would be, I would leave 60 or 70, oh, that's probably too many, 20 or 30 empty sugar packets on the table every day. So I'm just dumping that much sugar in the tea. Oh, wow. So do that and maybe a couple of orders of bone, um, buffalo wings and some French fries for lunch, and then I'm ready to go back to the office. So this your is, sugars are probably astronomical. Oh, absolutely. 
I, I, I diabetes never... was in diabetes was in play because of your weight. I'm sure your heart was in trouble. There were probably all sorts of other health issues going on too. The diabetes, if it was there, I never saw it because I never went to a doctor to get checked. Um, and I just, I, I, I don't know why. I, I don't think I wanted to go to a doctor because I didn't want to really hear someone say, you are morbidly obese. And if you keep this up, it is going to kill you. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I just didn't. And then I, I would go through the rest of the day and eat that same kind of stuff for dinner. And then, excuse me. And then I would, at, at, in the evening, I would go up and to, to the, media room to watch TV and I would take uh, half a half gallon of ice cream, a sleeve of um, Chips Ahoy chocolate chip cookies and a 32 ounce cup of milk and I'd eat that before I went to bed. Goodness. So, yeah, so I can, I had someone actually ask me one time, how do you gain weight? Well, I can write a how to gain weight book and it's not hard. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff was easy, but it was just You're not there. You need to go the other direction. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so, so in which okay. point did you actually hit that wall? What did that look like for you? Um, so it, the, it, I really hit the wall hard right before I started losing the weight. Because um, I would go in to the gym and I would tell a trainer, hey, I'm, my trainer, I'm going to lose weight today. I'm going to start a diet. Finally, one day he said, you know, you're full of, and I'll leave the word out that he used, um, but when you get tired of being fat, you won't be fat anymore. Until then, you're going to be just as fat as you are. Right. And I thought, that's really hard, but it's really true. So what happened was God instructed me to write down everything that I ate. So I did that for about six months. And I didn't try to, to change what I was eating. I didn't do any of those things. But what it forced me to do at the end of that six-month time frame was look and see and be honest about where I was. So to be brutally honest with myself and say, you know what, you really have a problem. Right. And, and I realized that I, you can't do anything about it. It's right there. Right. And so you, and I've still got the log somewhere. Um, but I could look at that log and see all this stuff. And it would be, I don't think I could eat in a week the same, you know, the junk that I would eat in a day back then. Mm -hmm. Just because, I mean, you just, your body didn't like it. And so it really, I really had to get gut level honest. And that was really, that was probably the hardest part was mm -hmm. to say, okay, I really do have a problem. It's really me. And I'm really out of control. Like there's nothing, the brakes are off and this train is running downhill and I have no way to stop it. Okay, so how did you, you're, you're on a speeding freight train. How did you drop anchor and stop? So I went before God and prayed and I finally said, God, here's the thing. I can't do this. I've done every diet you can think of. I've done, I mean, I do believe in the power of prayer. I'll never forget one time I went to a pizza buffet and tried to pray the carbohydrates out of the pizza and, you yeah, know, that didn't it, work very well. no, that one didn't work. <laughs> um, so, but I'd done it all. I mean, every kind of, I did the, my dieting days were before South Beach came out, but, or before it became a big thing, but most of the other major diets I tried mm -hmm. and I just didn't do them. So I just got down on my knees one night before God and I, when I'd taken communion and said, God, I just can't do this. If you don't fix it, if you don't help me fix this, I'm going to be fat and die. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, that was that was probably the moment that everything really started to change. Okay. So how did you slowly climb out of that hole then? I just I I I, I knew from several years before that that my problem was carbohydrates, and I knew I was addicted to them. I was never I didn't have a, a beer gut. I never drank in in college. I never drank in high school or in my young adult life. But I ate. I had a pizza gut. I ate bread and sugar and all that that's and my so, too i understand completely <laughs> right and so 
what I did was I sat down after I prayed, I decided, okay, it's time for me to do the Atkins diet. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's the be all end all diet for anyone. It was what worked for me, but I don't think it's the, and I think all kinds of diet. And I decided it was time. And so I started. Mm -hmm. So I, I went on a business trip to Peoria, Illinois. And the first night I was there, I was had no carbohydrates and I went into carbohydrate withdrawal in the hotel room. Now, I wouldn't want to insult anyone by having someone think that I'm trying to compare what I went through to what someone does when they come off of drugs or alcohol or something, because mine is certainly nothing that severe, but I had a little bitty taste of what someone like that, someone that has to go through that would go through. Right. I had, um, I had switched to keto. I had to switch to keto because of the exact same issue. Yeah. I was, I, carbs is my thing. I chocolate. I can set that aside and walk away. But when yep. it came to chips, when it came to bread, oh, fresh smelling bread. Yes. Oh, um, <laughs> but I do the same thing because carbs is my weakness. Potatoes, I'm Irish. You know, that's yep. in our system. Absolutely. You, that's like number one on your list. And so yep. your body goes through it because I was also addicted to Dr. Pepper, which is the caffeine. Yeah. With the caffeine and with the carb withdrawal, your body is used to something. It's used to how it's functioning. It's yep. going to crash. Absolutely. So that's exactly what happened. And how did you get through that? Because that is not easy. You know, for me, it only lasted about a day and a half or so, the hard part of it. Because I went cold turkey. I went from breads and all that stuff one day to none of them the next. And... Um, it was about a day and a half, but it just hurt. Everything hurt. Felt like I had a, the flu. And then that part was kind of over. So I just, at that point, like I said, I, I, or I haven't said, I believe that God really helped me with that because all of a sudden the cravings and stuff, they weren't really there. I didn't get up thinking, man, I've got to go have some bread. I've got to go have some ice cream or whatever. And as a matter of fact, when I got back from that business trip, there's a, a place here in Fort Worth called Spring Creek Bar Spring Creek Barbecue, and they make oh that's good stuff. Yeah, and they make the best rolls because they come out of the oven hot and they bring them to your table. And I would use a stick of butter and eat, you know, a dozen of those rolls back in in, in my heaviest days. Mm -hmm. And I met my family there coming home from Peoria on that business trip. And when I got to the part where they you know asked do you want to roll on your plate, I said no. And it it wasn't like you know, that craving thing where you're thinking, man, I really want that, but I've, I got to say no, but I really want it, but I've got to say, and so then you finally allow yourself to just let it go. For me, I really just didn't want it. It was just done. It was just gone. Now, were there times where, you know, that little craving does come up during there? And what do you do about that? Sure. And so uh, I, for, primarily it would hit me a lot of times if I was going by a restaurant or something like that that had something I used to eat. Like I mentioned Sonic earlier, the, when I was running, um, I, I went from, yeah, I went from 300, 350 pounds to my first marathon in a little under two years. Wow. And, that's amazing. Great job. Yeah. Thank you. And so when I would run in my training, I ran right by Sonic every day. And that's where I used to get those Rio chili pie wraps. And I would, sometimes that craving would hit. And I honestly, I just kind of pray against it and keep running, but it never stayed very long. It wasn't anything that I dealt with for hours afterwards or anything like that. Or if I went by like a Krispy Kreme or someplace like that, that would kind of look good occasionally. But as a matter of fact, even with the Krispy Kremes, my office manager at the time um, went by a Krispy Kreme and bought a dozen donuts one time. And they were in my office. They were hot. They smelled up the whole office. Oh, I, no. oh yeah. 
So I went in, it's a big joke between us. I went in threatening to do him bodily harm and all that stuff. But the reality was I had no desire. I wasn't going to touch those things because I was, for the first time kind of in my life in that particular place, I was doing what I needed to do and I knew it. So, I mean, I, I, I set goals for myself every week. I wanted to lose five pounds a week. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever hit that goal once. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but because God was in the middle of what I was doing, most of the time when you do the weight loss thing, when you do the diet, you set out a goal for yourself. And for me, I always set out unre- unrealistic ones anyway. When you don't hit that goal, you just want to quit. Mm-hmm. So you don't hit that goal, you feel discouraged, and then you, you ride the thing off and quit and go back to eating whatever you shouldn't. For me, and I really do believe it was because God helped me, every time I didn't hit that goal, it just made me mad and want me to, made, me wanted to, made me want to work harder the next week. Dig your heels in harder. Now, yeah. here's another question for you. Um, you mentioned that food was tied to you emotionally. You can pass up a restaurant, but certain foods may bring back certain memories. And when you see them, how do you combat that one? Because people sometimes who smoke, or who drink pepper when nerves kick in, or whatever it is, you know, those are the everyday applications. It's not just passing a restaurant, or passing on a food, or not having it in your house, you don't have to worry about it, but, you know, the nostalgia of picking up, um, say, a cookie, or that your grandma used to make, or something like that, that you'd be like, oh, I remember this, and then it brings back the memory. How did you break from that? Well, so for this, for the 16 months that I was on the diet, I just, I gave myself a half a dozen days where I just kind of ate what I wanted in there. But during that diet phase, I just didn't. Now, after you get out of that, because the, the reality is when you're on a diet, when you're trying to break a habit, you have to abstain from that altogether. And I, I think there are certain things like alcohol and things that I've never really had an issue with that you probably never want to pick up again. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to food, if uh, you know grandma's cookies i might have one or two but i won't have 14 and i i don't know how to describe why it's just not something i want to do right because you've you've changed your brain and how it works and what what you're thinking and what your fuel is your fuel is now god it's not food right um you have a couple different resources one of them is your website what is that website could you spell it out for me Sure, it's www.tom, T-O-M, W, Oswald, O-S-W-A-L-D, dot com. Okay. Another one is you have a Facebook um, page that has a rather large following. Can you explain what the opinion of the minion is? Yeah, so I started the opinion of the minion several years ago, just as kind of my place to rant about whatever and 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 what I wanted to do was have a space that I could say whatever I wanted without doing it on Facebook where all your friends have to read an opinion that they don't really want to read anyway Mm -hmm. so I I set this up and said hey I'm going to have my rants over here and if you want to read them then you can become a you you can like my page or whatever and and then you can read them if you want to or don't if you don't but then I'm not putting that in front of my friends every day if they don't want to hear because most people don't want to hear the religious opinions they don't want to hear the political stuff they don't hear all that stuff so, so how did the opinion of the minion come about though? How did you come up with that name? I was joking around with one of uh, the guys that worked for me at the time and we started messing around with names and, and I, I actually, it was a joke. I just kind of said, Hey, I'm going to start a blog one day and I'm going to call it the opinion of the minion because 
I think he was saying I'm the minion of the office or something like that. I don't remember how exact what he said, but that's how I named it. I said, well, that's what I'll do is I'll write a blog because maybe I'm the minion around here and I'll write it. I'll write this thing called the opinion of the minion just because mm -hmm. it rhymes. Mm -hmm. And so um, we put it out there on Facebook and I started writing. And then especially in the last, I don't know, five or six months, it's kind of started to blow up. So mm -hmm. Six months ago, well, maybe a year ago, I had 60 or 70,000 followers. And right now, I think I'm almost 300,000. Good heavens. Yeah. So, so we tracked it. And, and really what I do with it now, honestly, is I want to encourage people. So I want them, you know, I want to encourage them with things that whatever God, I believe, instructs me that's encouraging, then I put it out there for someone to do something with. I think so, that's amazing. So, and we've been, I think we've, my, I think it's been read. I forgot what the numbers works. It's on, I've made it to almost all the continents and probably a hundred or 105 countries. Wow. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's, there's so not reaching out to people you didn't even know was possible. Yes. Yeah. And so one of the things that I realized it's point, it's important for me to help bring people to Christ. And so, you know, instead of celebrating the $300,000, 300,000 person number, which is, which is cool. I get more excited about people that give their life to Christ through what we do. Amen. So we put something out there today. Just today, there was someone overnight that gave their heart to Christ from Indonesia. Oh, that's and great. Yeah. So it's kind of a cool thing. And then we do have, we have resources available as well mm -hmm. that will allow you, because I can't obviously go to Indonesia and disciple that young lady and, and how to follow Christ. We have, a resource through the opinion of the menu page where you can sign up for an email and it'll email you a chapter out of a book that is a discipleship book. So you can read the discipleship chapter. When you're done with that, you send us an email saying, Hey, I'm done with that. And we'll send you another chapter. Oh, what a phenomenal thing to do. That's great. Yeah. I love that. Um, we have just a few more minutes. Is there any advice you'd like to give somebody who's struggling with whatever addiction it is? It might not necessarily be weight. It may be caffeine. It may be food. It may be whatever whatever it is do you have any last minute advice for them absolutely the first and foremost thing i think in anything you deal with that you're trying to get out of is trust god mm -hmm. because the reality is he's a big god you're not going to present him with a problem that he hasn't seen before mm -hmm. it's not like when you come in and say hey i have a problem with money or i have a problem with caffeine that he's calling all the angels all the you know the the elders in saying what are we going to do now i don't know how to fix this God is the answer. He knows how to get you out of whatever it is, but you've got to trust him with that problem. You've got to go to him and say, God, on my own, I can't do this, but if you'll help me, I'm ready to get rid of it. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first thing is to trust God. I think the second thing is just like my trainer told me a long time ago, you've got to make a quality decision that I really am done with this. If you think, I mean, if you're not really sure, by all means, keep dieting or keep doing whatever you're doing. But I think what'll help you is when you finally decide that's enough. I'm tired of, whatever the financial issues is call, are causing on my family. I'm tired of struggling with these payments every month, all those things. When you get to that point, if you'll take that to God and trust him with it, he'll show you the way out regardless of what the problem is. Amen. That's great advice. Thank you so much for your inspiring story. Your book is called what again? Two Feet. Okay. So the two feet, the link to the opinion of the minion and all the resources you talked about are on your website, which is www.tomw o-s-w-a-l-d.com correct that's it 
Awesome. Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for sharing a portion of your heart. We really appreciate it. Thank you for those who are listening or watching. Thank you for joining The Journey is Real, where we talk to real people with real passions who share a real portion of their heart. I'm CJ Peterson with cjpetersonwrites.com. Until next time.